to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. All right. Uh, this morning, as we are two weeks from Christmas, yes, it's only two weeks until Christmas, uh, I want to start going through and looking at uh, some of the reason that we celebrate this time of year. Um, so I want to take today and we're going to look at some of the prophecies of Christ's birth, some of the things that... Uh, God prepared for all the way back, even in the book of Genesis, um, so that it would be known when Christ came to this earth that he was God and that he was here, uh, what he was here for. Next week, we will actually uh, look at the birth of Christ, the journey to Bethlehem for Mary and Joseph, and then I think on Christmas Eve, we will look at the wise men who came and uh, worshipped the Lord after his birth and uh, see what all of that has for us. So, uh, if you would, we're going to start in Isaiah 7 this morning. This is going to be kind of jumping around a little bit, but we'll start in Isaiah 7, and we'll start in verse number 10 to get some of the context, and uh, but focus on verse number 14. So Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 10 says, Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. Let's pray. Father God, again, we come to you this morning. I pray that you would give us wisdom. I pray that you would give us open hearts and open minds to hear and understand this truth. Lord, you had from the very beginning planned all of this. Nothing happens without your say-so. Nothing happens without you having prepared it. So God, please help us to see your preparations as we begin to celebrate the season of Christmas, the time when your son came to this earth to live and die for us. So God, please guide us and direct us. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isaiah, prophet of Old Testament Israel, is speaking here to King Ahaz. And he tells King Ahaz in verse number 10, he says, Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz through Isaiah, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord, because Ahaz feared God. But God is trying to give them a sign and a witness for what is to come. He's trying to give them hope 
something to look forward to and something that even Israel today has missed. We've been going through the book of Judges and we've been seeing uh, Israel rise and fall and, and serve the Lord and reject the Lord. But the overarching theme throughout all of the book of Judges has been Israel seeking a deliverer. Seeking someone who would deliver them and keep them living for God. So in verse number 14, the Bible tells us, Therefore, because of all of the things that have already happened, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is the promised seed. And while Isaiah physically is located somewhere in the middle of our Bibles, we need to understand that this promised seed was given all the way back in the beginning. So turn with me back to the book of Genesis. Genesis is the record, the actual historical record of God creating the heavens and the earth. God creating time and space. Everything that existed exists now. God created starting in the book of Genesis. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. We know that God is the creator and he created the heaven and the earth in the beginning. We know on day one what he did, on day two what he did, on day three what he did, all the way up through day six where he finished his work and on day seven he rested. We have a record of everything that's happened. In Genesis chapter two, Moses, the writer of the book of Genesis, through God, God teaching him, goes back and gives us a little more in-depth detail. He tells us, how God actually physically created man. Man was taken from the dust of the ground and formed into a, an image of God, and then God breathed life into man. And then we have woman that was created, and woman was taken as the man Adam was put to sleep, and uh, God took a, a rib out of Adam, and from that rib molded woman specifically to be for Adam, to be his his help me to be his partner, his consistent companion, so that they could both serve the Lord together. And then Genesis chapter 3, we see probably the saddest verses in, the all, in all of the world. We see that man and woman, Adam and Eve, failed to believe God and take God for his word. They took matters into their own hands and they ate of the tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because of that, uh, their eyes were opened, they were naked, they were ashamed, something that should have never been inside their union. They should have never been ashamed to be that way with each other. And we see God begin to punish. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, God is uh, speaking to, he's already gone through and spoken to Adam, and Adam has blamed it on Eve, and Eve has blamed it on the serpent, and now God is giving out the punishments. We'll start in verse number 14. It says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Verse number 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. It's no wonder that most women hate snakes. Mm -hmm. My wife cannot even walk through a uh, zoo if there's a snake in a cage. She hates them so much. And I'm okay with that. Until I have to deal with one. I don't, I don't mind them. I, snakes don't bother me. But uh, God put enmity between the serpent and the woman. But then he goes on to say, And I will put enmity, enmity between thy seed and her seed. 
between the seed of Satan and the seed of man, but it doesn't say man. It says her seed. Now, without getting too far into it and asking too many questions, we should all know and understand that uh, if we have any basic knowledge of biology, that it takes two to make one. Even uh, this fruit tree, my grandmother was telling us as she's prepared it and taken care of it for 50 years, why it has fruit. There's only one tree. It should not have fruit. It's because she takes a toothpick or a Q-tip every year and goes from flower to flower and pollinates each flower so that one tree uh, plus her work bears fruit. Now, unfortunately, that fruit is very bitter and nasty. I would not suggest eating it. Um, if you want to, it is edible. You can eat the skin and all, but I would not suggest it because it is disgusting. But we know that it takes two to become one. And as you read throughout the Bible, often the word seed is associated with man because it is that part uh, that comes from the man that passes on those things. But here God says her seed. Speaking of the woman, this is what Isaiah is directly referencing in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14. A virgin shall be with child, and that child shall become Emmanuel, shall become the ruler of the world. God goes on to say that the seed of the woman will bruise the serpent's head, and the serpent will only bruise his heel. We need to understand from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3 is God is giving out the punishment for sin that he is also giving a way for sin to be abolished. And it's not just a partial victory. It is a complete victory. I've often thought as we come upon Easter, we come upon that, that resurrection time where we, we celebrate and, and understand that Christ went to the cross for us I often wonder if the tree that they turned into the cross at Calvary was not planted on this very day. It had to grow. It had to get to a point where it was large enough to be formed into the cross to hold Christ himself. I wonder if it wasn't planted on this very day. God preparing that way because we know that all throughout the Old Testament God shows the prophecy of what Christ is coming to do. In Genesis chapter 12, we see some more information about the promised seed. Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said, notice it says the Lord had said unto Abram. Abram had already been asked this once. been told this once. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Remember that all is all that all means. All families of the earth will be blessed through Abram. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. Notice Abram still isn't listening. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. 
Verse number six, and Abram passed through the land into the place of Shechem under the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the, unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the right or on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. God promised that he would give to Abram's seed the promised land. But he also promised that through Abram, all nations would be blessed. Through his seed, his next generations, all would be blessed. But go with me to Galatians 3, 16. I know that Galatians is not in the Old Testament, but Paul, the apostle, writing in a letter to the, to the Galatians, is explaining this instance here. Galatians 3 and verse number 16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed were, not, were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. God is promising here that through Abraham, Christ will come. And Christ will bless the entire world. This promise was not speaking of the twelve patriarchs. It was not speaking of Isaac and Jacob. It's not definitely not speaking of Ishmael. This promise was speaking of Christ and Christ alone, who would come through the seed of David, through Abraham. And it is Christ who is a blessing to all nations or a curse to those that refuse him. Genesis 49. Genesis 49, Jacob, Israel, is getting ready to die. And he is going and passing on his blessing to his children. He passes on a blessing to Reuben, his firstborn, in verse number 3. A blessing to Simeon and Levi in verse number 5. In verse number 8, we come to Judah. The Bible says in Genesis 49 and verse number 8, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be on the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's house, or thy father's children, shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Binding his foal under the vine, and his ass's colt under the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. Jacob here, Israel here, is blessing Judah, saying that his brethren shall praise him. That his brethren shall bow down to him. Now we know that Joseph saw in a dream that him, that his uh, twelve brothers, or that his eleven brothers and his mother and his father would bow down to him. That God would raise him up. And Joseph was, was cast away for that. But we know that all of that has actually taken place. That prophecy has come to come all the way through. And that Joseph was raised up to be second in command in Egypt. But it's not Joseph's lineage that Christ is going to come through. It's Judah's. David was a son of Judah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. It is 
Christ, who is being referred to as Shiloh, that there will always be a ruler and that the ultimate lawgiver will come through Judah. We have the promised Messiah. Again, back in Isaiah 7, 14 through 16, we see that God is promising a deliverer. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel is God with us. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings, leaving, making the way for him. In chapter 9 of Isaiah... And verse number six, we have we get a little more information. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. These are the verses that Israel, the prophets, looked forward to proclaiming the Messiah's birth, one that would come and rule and reign over them, that would bring them peace, that would remove them just as it did in the book of Judges, that deliverer that came and removed them from the oppression of their enemies, that brought them back to God, that gave them peace and grace on earth. But this Messiah, this everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, His peace and mercy shall be forever. He shall come through the throne of David, who was a man after God's own heart. Even though David, a liar, a murderer, an adulterer, David always turned back, repented, and sought God's face and tried to do everything in God's will. This Messiah, however, would be perfect. And then in the book of Micah, Micah chapter 5, we have a promised location. We had the promised seed, the promised Messiah, and a promised location. Micah chapter 5. You know what? There is a table of contents in the front of your Bible. If you can't find the book, you can look at it. Don't be don't ever feel ashamed to look in the look at the table of content contents. <laughs> I'm struggling this morning. Come on. Amos. Micah. Sorry. Jonah. Then Micah. Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5 and verse number one, number 1. It says, Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old from everlasting. 
Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. Here Micah is prophesying that the, the Messiah will come from Bethlehem, out of the city of Bethlehem. But notice it says, Bethlehem Ephrata, little among the thousands of Judah, that the ruler of Israel will come from them. We often, as we live our life, or at least I do, hopefully I'm the only one, but I don't think I am, often feel overwhelmed. Um, as I look at what God has asked me to do, I feel unqualified. I, I really feel unqualified to be here uh, standing behind this pulpit and pastoring. Um, but I know that it's not me that needs to be qualified. It's God. Bethlehem was a small city, a, an insignificant city, yet God was going to bring his son from there because God chooses to use the small and the weak. If he chose to use the great and the powerful, it would be in their power. We looked at Gideon as we went through the book of Judges and saw Gideon and his 300 men do great and mighty things. And the reason that it was pared all the way down to 300 men was because God was afraid that Israel would vaunt themselves and say that they did it instead of that God had done it. We're going to see Jephthah coming up, go and, and have a, a mighty victory. And we need to understand that it wasn't Jephthah that did it. It was God through Jephthah. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, will come to rule the world. As we look at this season, we can choose to think about the Christmas, think about what Christmas has become. Uh, Josiah and I, we, we drop off Rachel in the morning at work, and then we head over, and I try to cut short and go across the train tracks, but a lot of times there's a train, so we have to go all the way out to 18th Avenue in Marshalltown. And right on the corner where East Nevada and 18th meet, um, they generally have this almost 40-foot-tall Santa Claus and Christmas tree and Frosty the Snowman. And we've been laughing lately because um, Santa Claus has got, like, it almost looks like he's wearing underwear on the outside of his pants because he's got this red coat and then white, and then his belly is white and then red legs. And I, I don't understand it. But to the people that put that up, that's what Christmas is. It's Santa Claus. It's Frosty the Snowman. It, it's, yesterday as we were preparing, getting ready, uh, I was killing some time studying. and Not killing time studying, but while I was studying, I was killing some time getting ready for the youth activity. And I put on uh, Christmas music on Pandora and, and watched some Christmas cartoons uh, with Brother Grant. And um, none of them, none of them had anything to do with Christ. It was all about Santa Claus coming and and uh, giving you presents and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and all of those things. And, and we love those things. And if you really want to sit down and discuss, I can show you some things that are wrong with them, but I, I'm not going to do that because... But we need to understand that's not what this season is about. This season, this is the time. It's Christ Mass. This is the time, and we know this, 
we're not positive that it was December 25th that Christ was born. We're not, we don't know the date. We don't know the exact time. But we know that at one point, on one night, in a manger, in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph were cast out. They, they were not given room in the inn. The virgin born, or the, the virgin Mary, who it, while she was espoused to Joseph, had not come together with Joseph, was had the Son of God in her and delivered him here to this earth so that he could live and walk this earth, ultimately dying for our sins and giving us a way to spend eternity with him in heaven. That's what this season is all about. That's what we should be celebrating right now. And trust me, I love getting gifts. And we did some Christmas shopping the other day, and uh, the boys have got some very interesting gifts coming up. <laughs> lots and lots of coal. <laughs> but this is a time to look at Christ. And that, that's what I wanted to start with today, was just to look at a few, and, and this is by no means an exhaustive list of all the prophecies of Christ's birth. But to look at a few so that next week as we go through the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 and we see Christ being brought into this earth and understand all of the, the trial and trouble that it took to get him here and then all of the trial and trouble that he lived, that he did it all for us. But all of this started all the way back in the book of Genesis at the very creation of the world. God had all this designed and planned. And so many today, even even this time of year, will ask why. I was just asked this the other day. Uh, why does God allow children to die? Why does God allow these things? And unfortunately, the man that asked me the question didn't want me to preach to him. Didn't want me to give him the answer. Because that was a question that his mother had always asked, and she never got the answer. But there is an answer. And God allowed all of that so that today we could be here serving him, knowing that we are on our way to heaven when we pass away, and giving that message to the world so that we don't have to spend an eternity in hell. That's why God has allowed all of this.